everybody. Welcome back to Mavericks and Misfits. It's Jeff Lyle. Privileged to be the host and speaker, teacher, whatever, uh, podcast host on Mavericks and Misfits. I'm grateful that you've tuned in today. If you're new, you're listening for the first time, we're grateful that you found us and uh, hope that you'll be strengthened in your journey with Jesus if you're a Christian. And if you're not yet a Christian, I hope that maybe we'll be able to supply some uh, truths if you continue to listen that will um, show you the King of Kings and introduce Jesus to you in a way that you'll recognize uh, that it is the wisest thing you could ever do uh, to bow to his kindness and his lordship and to welcome him to be your savior and surrender your life to him. Um, we um, are in a season right now where um, I'm just asking the Lord to, I guess, renew some evangelistic fervor in my own heart um, as we are getting down to the wire. I think 2024, prophetically speaking, this is very general. So, um, maybe it's not even prophetic, maybe it's just observational, but I think 2024 is going to be significantly used by God to shake the church. It's already happening. It started happening last year. Um, and I think we're going to see more of it. And so as I look at these things that are transpiring and as I study the scriptures, I think there's a convergence of what scripture says about the end of the age and the things that we're seeing in front of us, um, even up into the stellar heavenly celestial realm, um, things that are happening in the earth and pieces of the puzzle, the prophetic timeline that scripture outlines, I see things happening. And so I've got this desire to try to win people to Christ in a way that maybe I haven't had in the last decade or so, as I had been focusing so much more on other important aspects of the kingdom. But now I'm adding back to it um, Paul's injunction to Timothy to do the work of an evangelist. And so I want to see people saved. The gospel is still the good news. And the gospel of the kingdom is primarily what I focus on. Not merely ask Jesus into your heart so you can go to heaven. But no, you can't know the Father unless you know the Son. And ultimately, Jesus said that he was the way to the Father. And so we need to know the Father. And um, I would encourage all Christians to stop making um, evangelistic appeals based on people needing to go to heaven and start making those evangelistic appeals based on people needing to know the father, the God who loves them. And they can only do that through the son. So make their aim and their goal, not getting their ticket punched to heaven. Um, I think that's, um, I think that's an inferior motivation for presenting Jesus to people, quite frankly. And I think that making Jesus the point, making the Father the point, making God himself the point of our gospel pre uh, presentations, that's what we need to do. And so I'm finding that need uh, deeply. Um, I, I'm in a state of um, quiet resignation concerning some scandals that have hit the church in um, recent months. Um, I come from the world of the Baptist. I was a Baptist uh, for most of my Christian life. And up until I think 2016, when I guess formally the church that I pastored ceased being a Baptist church. And um, so seven out of the 30 years, is that right? Eight out of the 30 years that I've been a Christian, I've been out from under the denominational banner of Baptist. Uh, thank God for my Baptist upbringing. Thank God for the love of the scriptures that was important to me um, from my Baptist mentors. Uh, thank the Lord that the Bible got me before the gifts of the Holy Spirit really got me. 
because I'm an all or nothing guy. And my concern is, is that if I had um, been exposed to the supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit before I got grounded in the word, that I would have been like, I mean, at the risk of sounding critical, like a lot of charismatics today that are allergic to the written word and go chasing, you know, the next encounter. Um, I'm a big you know, proponent of the gifts of the spirit. I love encounters with God. Um, I seek his face more than I seek anything. And so I'm not, I'm not, um, I'm not reducing the importance of us needing to have encounters and us needing to minister in the gifts of the Holy spirit. But I'm just glad I got anchored in the truth first. And so I've watched with heartbreaking and I'm not going to name names, but, um, the Southern Baptists are just going through another round after round of scandals primarily from colleges and high up denominational leaders that have been exposed for being predators. And, um, this is not new with the Southern Baptist and, um, it's just newly heartbreaking. And then of course we've got the scandal out of, um, Kansas city, uh, among the charismatics. And, um, I'm just in a place of quiet resignation. There's plenty of voices already speaking into these things my voice won't add anything. Um, you know, people that I'm in relationship with ask me what I think. I tell them what I think, but I'm not about to go online and start posting a bunch of stuff um, prior to all of the facts being laid out. And quite frankly, I don't even know if I'll chime in then. Um, when, when we look at movements in the kingdom, whether it be the prayer movement, whether it be missions movements, whether it be um, fivefold movements, um, there's so many movements, healing revivals, um, you know, different kind of apostolic forums, the house church movement. And there's so many movements within Christianity that cycle in and cycle out. And um, some of them are incredibly valuable. Some of them have done an amazing uh, work at bringing Jesus Christ glory, but movements tend to be something smaller within the broader context of kingdom. And there are some things in kingdom that will never change. And within that, the Holy Spirit reserves the right to be, as God is, in full authority and control of what he releases, where he releases it, and to whom he releases it. And so I love when he releases certain movements, but when people get immature Christians get caught up in movements. Um, what, what typically happens for immature Christians is they start believing whatever that particular movement is that has captivated them. Um, they, they make that the whole of the kingdom. This is what God is doing. This is what God is saying. And they just get myopic. They only see what's directly in front of them. And they often lose their peripheral vision in recognizing, yes, God is doing this wonderful thing that they're captivated by, but he's also doing a whole lot more. Um, I've been a part of about a handful of different movements in the 30 years that I've been saved. And um, some of them continue, maybe with a little different language to them or different description to them, but they still continue. Others of them faded out and did not amount to much. But in those moments as a younger Christian, I remember being just like the Christian I described earlier, um, somewhat immature thinking this is what God is doing. 
And when we make statements like that or take on mental paradigms like that, what we do is we dishonor the Lord. Because quite frankly, as discerning as some of you are, as discerning as I want to be, um, we don't ever have a full grasp on all that God is saying and doing. And so what, what we do is we would do very well to honor him and to honor people by saying, this is some of what I see the Lord doing. I think this is a move of the Lord. Um, but in saying those things, we recognize that there's, there's just limitations and seasons to moves of God. So my question for today's podcast is, how do you know when it's a move of God? How can we tell? And when we are skeptical about something that maybe has gained traction in the visible church, um, but we're skeptical of it, how, how do we respond? What do we do? Because a lot of these, matter of fact, I think I'm going to focus in on that. I feel the Holy Spirit on that. And so... To know that something is a move of God, first and foremost, you, you, you want to have great assurance that it's the, whatever the move is, that it has some moorings in Scripture. It's got some kind of scriptural relevance, or at the very least, that if you can't find it precisely in Scripture, that whatever the movement is, isn't defying the authority of the written word. And I, I'm, I believe this. I believe God reserves the right to do things that he didn't explain beforehand in Scripture. Um, I don't think that God is um, bound to only do again what we have seen him do in the pages of Scripture. I believe the creator is still creative. And I believe that he doesn't have to ask permission to do a new work and release a new manifestation of his presence and power. So when, when these things happen, what I don't, I'll just testify here. What I want to do is I want to ask myself. And when I say ask myself, I want to explore biblically and in prayer with the Holy Spirit. Does this feel like the Lord? Do I sense the Lord in this? It's extremely important that we develop the ability to do that because in the last days, the deception is going to be off the charts high that where Jesus said, if it were possible, even the very elect even the very saved, the actual saved people could be deceived. He said, if it were possible, it's not possible that the truly elect, the truly born again will fall into a damning deception. But I, I do believe that the reason why they don't or we don't fall into that deception is because we intentionally seek to honor the Lord by saying, before I attach any part of my life to this movement that's happening, is it, is it the Lord? Is it biblical? And so um, for people that are, are skeptical all about everything, you know, unless it's a Bible study and a hymn, unless it's, you know, discipleship and evangelism, unless it's prayer and, you know, you know, preaching, they're skeptical. They don't think God does anything outside of that very small box. I would challenge that. I think God does a lot outside of those wonderful things that I just mentioned. But, um, if you're skeptical, you run the risk of missing getting in on what God is doing in a certain location at a certain time with a certain people. Um, and you'll just stay in the box and you'll play it safe. On the other hand, there's people that are so gullible, they'll believe anything. I mean, they'll just straight up without even a moment of seeking discernment, just say, yep, that's the Lord because it feels good or it looks good or it sounds good or my favorite leaders, you know, kind of spearheading it. And, you know, you, we just can't afford to be gullible anymore. 
And so over the years, um, people have asked me as a pastor, as a teacher, they've asked me, hey, what do you think about this? And they'll name something that historically has happened in the last hundred years in the church or something that is happening. Uh, we've seen some some great things even in the last year. Uh, we saw the um, the revival that break out at the Wesleyan College um, in Kentucky, and then uh, here in my home state of Georgia, in Gainesville, Georgia, uh, Pastor Jensen Franklin, along with Perry Stone, hosted um, a few weeks of meetings where the power and presence of God manifested, and uh, a lot of people were repenting and getting right. Um, as you, most of you would know, I've been part of the North Georgia revival for five out of the six years that that revival has been, um, you know, kind of on the, on the horizon. Like people can see this thing Their people are getting healed through a very unorthodox means of baptism waters and man, the amount of fighting against the North Georgia revival, it just kind of ebbs and flows. I think it's kind of in a low season right now. I don't hear anybody fighting it too much right now. But um, there are just some people that are just mad as fire because there's no precedent for people being healed through the act of water baptism. And then when people are getting baptized more than once, they're thinking that violates some scriptural code. They're saying you can only get baptized water baptized once and that's after you get saved and anything beyond that is unbiblical and the problem is is that people don't know the difference between unbiblical and non-biblical hear me on this this is a side point but hear me on this if something is unbiblical it violates scripture it violates a, a promise or a prohibition or a clear principle for something to be unbiblical it means it goes against scripture that's different than something being non-biblical. When something is non-biblical, it simply means that Scripture doesn't reference it specifically at all. And so it requires discernment to find out if this thing is of God or not. The North Georgia Revival is non-biblical, not unbiblical. And so we don't see much in Scripture um, about water baptisms at all, really. Um, but we definitely don't see any historical record in the scriptures that God would heal people through water baptisms post-salvation. But it's happening. I've seen it. I've watched it. And I've experienced it. For those of you that don't know, what's very interesting is I got baptized up there right after I got diagnosed with cancer in 2019 and uh, did not get healed. You wrestle with that however you want to. I know it's a fact. I did not get healed instantly in the waters. Um, I don't know that it didn't have something to do with the fact that, you know, my body responded well to the treatments that I went through and I have no cancer in my body. But here's something that many of you don't know. As an effect of the chemo I did, I came, I, I ended up, I don't know what the right word is. I, I came down with, that's more like a cold, but I ended up having what's called Raynaud's disease. It's a nerve and circulatory issue in your extremities, typically your hands and feet. For me, it was in my hands. So my hands were constantly in pretty high-level pain. Um, they were constantly cold. I would literally have to sleep with mittens on in the summer because of the pain in my hands. My hands would turn blue. They would turn yellow. And it was pain about 90 to 95% of the time, to the point, and it was increasing. And there was no cure. And so what, what I did one day after, you know, wrestling with this thing, and I don't know why it took me so long to just say, get baptized. So I got baptized and then also brought home a cloth from the North Georgia revival. 
laid it on my hands. And in a Tuesday night prayer night, prayer meeting at Antioch outpost, um, we went by a different name then, but it's what is now Antioch outpost. Um, we laid those cloths on my hands and some prophetic people prayed and I was instantly healed. I woke up the next day and had no Raynaud's disease, no discoloration, no pain in my hands. And I haven't since, and that's been a couple of years. And so anyway, what I'm saying is, you know, be careful what you fight against. You don't have to understand it for it to be legitimate. Did you hear me? A lot of what is legitimate in the kingdom, we can't fully understand or explain. If you can fully understand or explain everything that's going on in your life as a Christian, you're not doing it right. Because the, the nature of the life of faith is that you live beyond your ability to understand, explain, or control. You live in a position of surrender and trust. And so there's a lot of movements. Um, you know, the prayer movement, I don't love that phrase, but the prayer movement has taken a massive hit because of the scandal coming out of uh, International House of Prayer in Kansas City. And I'm thinking to myself, uh, is the prayer movement null and void because apparently its leader has uh, been compromised and fallen? I would say absolutely not. <laughs> I think that uh, God uses flawed people, and at times those people fall, but that doesn't negate the fact that he started something. And so the prayer movement is clearly of the Lord simply because, um, you know, in all things by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Pray without ceasing. And so we're all the time people of prayer. Um I took part in a racial reconciliation movement in 2016, 17, and 18. Um, and when we started that movement, it was so gloriously of the Lord and gospel. It was about bringing white and black and Asian and Latino Christians together to talk through some very difficult racial issues, some historical, some contemporary um, and then looking to the future, how do we move forward in gospel kingdom? And I'm going to tell you that that movement so thrilled me and owned me um, in the proper way for a couple of years. And then politics got in it. Uh, some people would disagree with me on this. I, I knew distinctly I went to a meeting and reparations were being mentioned. And I started I heard the Holy Spirit just say to me, any sense of demanding and entitlement and being owed is antithetical to the gospel. The Lord is not on that. So I waited a minute and met with the leaders and finally just said, yeah, I won't be a part of this anymore. So my question is, was that movement of God or was it of man? I don't know. I knew it wasn't for me at that point. So we go through these things a lot. So I'm going to give you some practical counsel from an unlikely source out of the book of Acts chapter five. The books, book of Acts chapter number five, we have this thing um, that was happening and the, it was Christianity. <laughs> you know, we've got demons being cast out by the apostles. Jesus died. Jesus rose again. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, the scribes, they were furious with the fact that after they killed Jesus, the movement that they thought he started, that's how they viewed it as just some man, some heretic started a movement. And uh, what they didn't know is, no, is the glorious son of God rose again and imparted his life to people who were going to take um, his message of reconciliation through the blood sacrifice that he gave. And they were going to change the world. They were going to flip the world. And so these religious leaders thought that they had finished off everything when they crucified Jesus and buried him. Well, by the time you get to Acts chapter five, we've got thousands upon thousands of people converting, repenting, being saved. Miracles are being done. 
Like demons are being cast out of people. Healings are taking place. Powerful preaching is being done by the apostles. And so, you know, the, the powers that be got upset. And so they came and arrested uh, some of the apostles, primarily, you know, Peter being the leader at that time. And in Acts chapter five, um, you know, they beat them. Uh, they tell them, quit preaching this man named Jesus. And Peter's like, yeah, we're not going to stop. And so this movement is happening. They're defying the order of the day. Um, they're defying the religious leaders of the day because they're walking in the authority of Jesus Christ. And as Jesus never kowtowed to the religious leaders, neither is Peter and the other apostles, neither are they going to do it. And as a matter of fact, they, when they were told, stop preaching uh, Jesus, you're bringing this man's blood upon us. You're making us feel guilty. Peter said, we'll obey God rather than you guys. And then he proceeded to, to preach a pretty long message to them. You can read it in Acts chapter number five. And so they were getting ready to kill him. They were going to kill Peter and the apostles. They were just absolutely done. And here's what's interesting. A very strange source for God to give them in that day wisdom and to give you and me wisdom today when considering is a movement of God or not? Do I need to speak out against it? Do I need to fight it? Do I need to rail against it? Do I need to add my voice to opposing it because I don't think it's God? Well, what I'm going to tell you is maybe sometimes he says yes. Uh, there are things that I oppose. Um, I, I, I try to oppose things that are clearly unbiblical, that are having a detrimental effect on the church and or other people. But those things are constant, and I can't just give my life to fighting what is wrong. I have to advance what is right. And so I'm very careful about what I give my energies to in protest. And I'm, I'm, I don't want to be a perpetual protester or demonstrator against things that I disagree with. But there are times where the Lord is clearly saying, yeah, but you also need to be one of the watchmen on the wall. And there are times, Jeff, I want you to speak. So how do I know? And what do I do when I'm not sure that what I'm seeing is actually of God? Like, is this of the Lord or not? Well, let me introduce you to a, a guy. He's a Pharisee, a very well-respected Pharisee um, named Gamaliel or Gamaliel. And he was one of the top dogs among the Sanhedrin, those leaders in the days of the apostles and Jesus. Um, he was very well-versed in, in the law of Moses, and he had a great testimony. He, his grandfather was uh, the great Rabbi Hallel, and he was um, had a pedigree. So Gamaliel had a pedigree. He had a reputation, and he actually had some wisdom. So they're getting ready. They're getting ready to kill Peter and the apostles because they refused to back down. And Gamaliel just kind of says, "Hey, boys, everybody, settle down for a minute before we, you know, get these guys off planet Earth and kill them." Let's talk. And so he, he said, get the apostles out of the room. Let me just talk to my crew. And the, remember, these guys are bloodthirsty. They're wanting to kill the apostles just like they did Jesus. And this is the, the problem was, is they viewed Christianity as a heretical movement that God could not be within a thousand miles of. Now, I want you to understand this. These guys were conservative, moral Bible students. They loved the word of God. They had differences of opinions between some of them who were Sadducees and some who were Pharisees, 
but they took they took Yahweh very very seriously and so they viewed Jesus as a heretic that's why they killed him a blasphemer that's why they killed him they viewed all of his followers as dangerous but when the followers didn't go away after the crucifixion but multiplied these guys are fed up and they're like, this is a movement that dishonors God. We've got to destroy it. We must be the self-appointed defenders of the kingdom. So they were very sincere. Um, they were very wrong. And, and if we have any humility, humility in us whatsoever, we might want to pause from time to time and just say, we can be Bible students. We can be walking in the spirit we can be very committed and moral and righteous and sanctified. We can be um, very vocal about the ways of God. And if we're humble, we would, we would still need to leave room for saying, and we can miss it from time to time. Now, I don't want to. I don't want to miss it. But I know that I can. I know that I have. So have you. There have been times where you've said yes to something you should have said no to. There have been times you said no to something that turned out to be of God. And so with humility... I approach Acts chapter 5 in the words of Gamaliel, and this is what I apply. I've been doing this for 20 years, maybe more. This is what Gamaliel said in a room full of angry men that were ready to kill the apostles. Um, it's in Acts 30, excuse me, Acts 5, 34. It says Gamaliel stood up and gave orders to put the apostles outside for a minute. And then in verse 35, he said, men of Israel, take care what you are about to do with these men. So he said, you better slow down. You're already releasing your opinion. You're about to attach action to your opinion. And Gamaliel, the wise man, who, by the way, was not a fan of the gospel, not a fan of Jesus Christ. He was an opponent, but he was sobered and he was seasoned and he was thinking. He says, we need to take care what we're about to do with these men. And then he gives in a historical example. In verse 36, he says, before these days, Thutis, that's a man's name, Thutis rose up claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. And then he, he mentions another man named Judas, not Judas Iscariot, the traitor, but a different man from history. He says, after Thutis, the man Judas from Galilee rose up in the days of the census and drew away some people after him. He also perished, and all who followed him were scattered. Okay, just pause for a second. Gamaliel says, hey, guys, we've seen this kind of stuff before. And we've seen it. Remember Thutis and remember Judas? Remember how they were the flavor of the moment and how they had a lot of momentum and how they had a lot of attention and they had a lot of vocality and they had a lot of people attaching themselves to what they were doing? Well, those two guys died, and their movements died too. That's what he's saying. And then he gives the application. He says, so in the present case, the case of the apostles, I tell you, keep away from these men, leave them alone. If this plan or undertaking is of man, it will fail. All right, pause there. Acts 538, Gamaliel says, guys, if this is a work that is born of human strength, human wisdom, human will. If this is a concocted man-made religious movement, it's going to die. Let's be real careful about killing these apostles because if this is just of them, listen, it's going to die out. We don't have to take extreme measures. We don't even have to fight it. It's going to die out if it's of man. But then he says in the next verse, but if it's of God, 
you will not be able to overthrow them. You might be even found opposing God. That's really what I wanted to get to. When you're not sure of a movement that everybody else seems to be really enthused by, when you're skeptical of it, take the advice of Gamaliel. If it's not unbiblical, if it's not violating the written word of God, then be patient and watch. Because it's of man, if it's of man, it's going to come down. It's going to fail. It'll fizzle out. It'll have its shelf life, and then it'll be done, and everybody will forget about it and move on to the next thing. That's what happens with a lot of these man-made momentum moments in the kingdom or movements. They start out with like a lot of just big-time flame, and then they fizzle out. Why? Because it was of man. Maybe it was even a good idea. Maybe the motives were sincere, but it wasn't the Lord. Because what the Lord begins, he finishes. And then the counterpoint, Gamaliel said, but hey, if in all your skepticism, fellas, if we're wrong about this, then we will be opposing what God is doing. That ought to sober some folk up. If we oppose movements because we don't understand them, we don't agree with them, we're not sure that if it's of the Lord and we fight it in the midst of us not being sure, then we might find ourselves in the end having fought God. That's a kind of a nasty thought, man. Could you imagine in having a zeal not according to knowledge where you're actually fighting what God is doing because you're uncomfortable with it or it doesn't make sense to you? And so here's the freedom as I close the podcast today. When you don't know if this movement is of the Lord or not, when this thing that seems to be having hype on it or people are all looking at it, staring at it, participating in it, talking about it, sharing it on social media, and you're just sitting there saying, I don't know. I'm not sure that's of the Lord. Matter of fact, I don't think it is of the Lord. I would encourage you before you go railing, you might just want to sit and be quiet. You might just want to say, God, speak to me about it before I even dare to speak to others about it. And if God isn't clarifying it, then you have the freedom to, you have the right to remain silent. You don't have to chime in. You don't have to give your two cents. The more often you give your two cents, the, <laughs> the less it's worth. It ends up being not worth two cents. And if, if it is of God and you're opposing it in ignorance and zeal and your own understanding, you're actually fighting God and he's going to resist you. Nobody wants that happening. And here's the beauty. You say, well, Jeff, somebody's got to stand up and say something. Well, well, maybe God does call some people to do that, but not the amount of people that we see online. Most of those people are just venting out of their flesh and out of their ignorance. Don't be one of those. And here's the thing, if you're like, well, if I don't say something, this thing's going to deceive thousands and thousands, a hundred thousands, it's going to, well, hold on a second. Don't you think the Lord knows how to put an end to movements that aren't of him? Sometimes he'll just throw a hard stop on them. Like they hit a brick while they're done. Other times they just fizzle out. And so if you've been around Christianity long enough and some of you are in your you know, teens, 20s and 30s and you don't have a long history yet, but you'll learn there's a lot of like things that flare up and fizzle out, flare up and fizzle out, flare up and fizzle out. 
don't get caught up in the flare up and don't panic if, you know, the thing gets momentum and you're sitting there thinking, I don't think that's of God because God knows how to bring it to its fizzle. So I like what Gamaliel said. He said, if it's of the Lord, you're fighting God. If it's not of the Lord, watch it. It'll die on its own. And interestingly, by the way, it says all those men that were ready to kill the apostles heard the wisdom of Gamaliel and said, yeah, we're not going to mess with them. Here we are 2000 years later. And guess what? The movement that Gamaliel spoke wisdom over, it's still continuing. What am I talking about? The gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the church of the living God. Nobody is going to prevail. The gates of hell can't withstand the church. Neither can all the human forces that come against it. In the end, we win. And so today, I want to free you up, not to feel like that you are the arbiter of all that is holy and unholy and all that is authentic and inauthentic. And honestly, we're not that important. There are times where the Lord will have you speak, but man, if you're wasting your time doing you know, massive investigations on what is of God and what is not, you know, I laughed the other day. I'm going to close right here, but I laughed the other day because I saw another advertisement for this upcoming cessationist conference. And I'm thinking it's literally going to be hundreds, maybe thousands of people gathering together to beat their chest and talk about how the gifts of the spirit aren't real. There's a reason why you haven't heard me say anything about it up till now. I was like, because that's a foolish conference that'll die on its own. Like, I'm a, I'm a goodness. Can you imagine having a conference? By the way, I think the tickets are like $200. Paying $200 to get a seat in a conference to talk to people who think just like you, saying the Holy Spirit doesn't move in prophecy, tongues, miracles, and healings anymore. I, I don't have to denounce that. It's so patently wrong, it will fizzle. And the end of the age is going to release such a manifestation of the power of the Holy Spirit that all the cessationists, I believe, those that are born again, are going to end up having encounters with God that will change their theology dramatically. So I'm not, I'm not upset about it. I'm not bad about it. I just think it's sad. And guys, as we move forward, uh, I want you to be free because there's going to be a lot of things that are going to pop up on the radar. Oh, this is God. This is of the Lord. Even Jesus said right before the second coming, he said, there's going to be a lot of people and you're going to hear rumors. Jesus has returned already. Jesus has returned. He's here. He's there. Jesus said, don't believe that. Jesus says, you'll know when I come back, every eye is going to behold me. Every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess. And so don't get caught up in the hype. And for all of you that are skeptics out there, just maybe consider that you don't have to speak against everything you disagree with. And you have, you have other things. There are better things you can do with your energy, with your influence, with your gifts, your abilities, your time, and your money than to fight everything that you don't think is of the Lord. All right, guys, I'm going to take off. Hey, remember, transformingtruth.org is the umbrella website. Go to transformingtruth.org, um, and you can avail yourself of teaching videos there, or you can just look up Transforming Truth on YouTube. I always tell people the best place to access more resources that um, from this podcast is just get the Transforming Truth app and everything we put out is there. My social media links, follow me um, You know, on social media. You can find that stuff. I just post kingdom stuff. You know, I'm not telling you where I ate lunch. I'm not, I don't post, you know, pictures of my shoes and stuff. I, I just post kingdom stuff. So if you want a little nourishment during your day, follow me on um, 
Facebook, Transform Truth on Facebook, or you can follow me, Jeff Lyle, on Facebook. And um, uh, my delight is try to offer you something in the kingdom that'll be nutritious to you and at least give you something to think about. And I hope you'll do that. If you're interested in getting a copy of my book, Figuring It Out As I Go, I talk a lot in there about my journey moving from the world of cessationism, not believing in the gifts, to how I became a person who validated the gifts, to a person who, uh, you know, use the gifts and employed the gifts and preach the gifts and all of that stuff. Um, there's some pretty cool encounters in there that I had. There's also some heartbreaking stuff. It's just basically my story up till age 40. I think I was 48 when I wrote it and, um, I think it'll be edifying for you. So it's called figuring it out as I go. You can get it on Amazon or you can buy it off the transforming truth website and, um, yeah, you know, read it. Tell me what you think about it. My email is Jeff at maverickmisfit.com. If you want to email me with uh, comments or ideas for upcoming episodes and, uh, look, we'll see you next time. God bless. I got to run. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Mavericks and Misfits. If you are helped by what Jeff shared today, please take a moment to rate and review Mavericks and Misfits with Jeff Lyle on iTunes or Spotify. Your review helps us enlarge our digital footprint to reach more potential listeners every week. Also, please take advantage of the free written and video resources made available at transformingtruth.org. Join us again every Tuesday for a brand new episode of Mavericks and Misfits.